so you're seeing the the people come in they want more of a quality of life better pay and they're going independent <laughs> and one of the drivers for going independent may be something minute but it's big to us respect yeah yeah the, and respect the, and freedom respect and freedom Why does a truck driver get into business as an owner? As Georgia headquartered owner-operator Rayshon Lucas was noting there at the top, higher earning potential is certainly part of it, but it's not all when it comes to bedrock goals. To repeat, they want more of a quality of life and respect. Yeah, yeah. And the, respect the, and freedom. Truth is, owner-operators go into business for themselves for all sorts of reasons, as was well evident in the discussion owner-operator Lucas was a part of at the Mid-America Trucking Show last month. It followed Overdrive's Partners in Business seminar with ATBS Vice President Mike Hostead and Overdrive's own Gary Bucks, who retired from the road in 2019 and has continued his work mentoring owner-operators more formally than prior since that time. I'm Todd Dills, and we're going to run through some of that conversation here in today's episode with Gary, Mike from ATBS, and also featured, we'll hear from... Hi, I'm David Neihart. Uh independent uh, business capacity owner with Landstar, been with Landstar 12 years, uh, 20 years in transportation. Got my start in um, air freight, uh, DHL, Airborne Express, eight years of management there. Then uh, got my uh, my own truck, first truck and trailer in 2008 and been with Landstar pretty much ever since. We'll hear more from Rayshon Lucas yeah, too. I'm Rayshon Lucas. I'm a owner operator. Uh, I'm leased under one of my friends who is the motor carrier. Yeah. Um, you know, like I told everybody, I'm the smart one. I let him assume the 10% of the, the work of the paperwork and all that stuff. And I just earn a smooth 90% of whatever I gross and book my own uh, freight. Um, I'm the one that deals with the brokers. I negotiate my own terms because if you don't ask for the money, they're not going to ask for it. And for another perspective on business structure, planning, taxes, and much more. I'm Pete Anderson. I'm from Georgetown, Texas. Pete Anderson was at Matt's and attended Partners in Business with hopes of networking with other owners and building out his support network. Getting a better handle on trucking business processes with other owners and more as he preps to strike out as a small fleet owner hauling over the road after a long career in trucking from the vocational side of things, working mostly in the back office today. We'll jump into it with Anderson's motivation for that on the other side of a quick break for a word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. And I'll note too, before the break, that for a detailed guide to the owner-operator business from startup to adding trucks and employees as an independent small fleet, you can download our newly updated Partners in Business Manual via overdriveonline.com PIB. It's co-produced with ATBS and was introduced at the Mid-America Trucking Show with the Partners in Business Seminar. Again, that's overdriveonline.com PIB. FirstGuard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner-operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not FirstGuard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to FirstGuard.com. That's 1-S-T-Guard.com. FirstGuard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. Here's Pete Anderson. 
my motivation, uh, well, it, it's more, it goes back to, you know, like I said, I've had my CEO for 35 years. And I'm 55 years old now, and if you'd asked me when I was 10 years old what I want to do, I, I want to drive a truck. So, uh, circling back to it, um, you know, I've, had, I've got a very good job right now, uh, paid very well, but uh, I don't really have anything to leave the kids. And I've got my, my daughter, like I said, is graduating with her MBA here from Texas Tech in, in, in December. And basically going to put her to work is running the company with my, you know, with my guidance. Um, she's going to have a good business background, obviously, which is going to, which is going to be, uh, uh, pay dividends, I think. Um, but the, the business side of it, I think I've got a, a pretty good knowledge, even though I haven't been out, uh, you know, driving. Uh, you can say you're, you're working for fleet. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, our fleet's vocational fleet, so we're, okay. we're running, uh, you know, uh, within 100 deer miles of, of you're not doing the same kind of work that you will be doing. that's correct that's correct so like right now i'm in the process we, we purchased a seven thousand square foot shop i'm getting that set up for the fleet that i'm working with now and and uh um, charge of all the specking and everything of the, of the fleet we've got now as intimated there anderson is prepping for more over the road work than what he's been used to with the vocational hauler he works for in the back office now that over-the-road work is the province of Kennesaw, Georgia-based Rayshon Lucas, though, who pointed out some of the cards stacked against newer small carriers without long-term business relationships and the negotiating power of large numbers of big fleet may experience. A little bit about the, me and my partner. I have a truck and trailer. I'm running under his. He has about five or six pieces of equipment. So the, the difficulty that we face when we're dealing with brokers is going to be tremendously different from a major fleet um, owners because they have leverage in the numbers to, so that they can get more um, higher revenue from that broker because they shell out more business. They can take care of more more customers, more clients and all that stuff. Whereas us, we're just getting our feet in the ground. They don't know us. We don't have an 11 year um, history together. About how long have you and your partner, how, long, how much, how many years of experience or businesses can do well? That's a voice there regular listeners may well recognize. That of Overdrive Extra contributor, Gary Books. To, to the best of my knowledge, he has about 17 or 18 years of experience. Um, yeah, we we both were BCOs at uh, Landstar. Landstar oh. is a great company. Okay. And then he decided to try and give himself a, a little bit of a, a increase by taking on more responsibility, more flexibility and stuff like that. Um, so he went on on his own, and then a year later, I followed him to help him build his, not because of anything that lasted, but just to help him build his, and I built mine up under his. As he made note of earlier, too, owner-operator David Nyhart knows Rayshon Lucas's former lease partner, Landstar, intimately. He's leased there today. Pursuant to an emerging theme of business adversity and strategies to overcome it, I asked Nyhart about the timing for his first truck purchase, the year 2008 as markets tumbled quickly. 2008 was, was uh, we, we were a team operation. It was me and my father. Uh, we came to Landstar with one truck. Uh, we actually had ATBS at the time, and we got a call from ATBS because they wanted to know how I went from a one-truck operation with the team to a two-truck operation and dropped my fuel cost $25,000 in a year. <laughs> And they, they wanted to make sure that everything was on the up and up, that I didn't miss something somewhere, that my accounting was, you know, I, I got all the receipts, you know, because the immediate uh, 
thought was there, there's got to be some human error here. But it was like, um, yeah, being at Landstar, they give us a tremendous fuel discount, um, tremendous uh, buying power on discounts on tires and, and so many advantages that a lot of people just don't don't realize and really comprehend the actual cost and value of the partnership. They, they, they just like to look at the percentage. Oh, well, Landstar is taking 35 percent of your money. And that that's really not the case. Um, my operation, I'm uh, I own my own trailer. I've I've had up to three trucks and trailers at Landstar. Uh, ran a small fleet. I've also uh, had my father. Um, he broke off and ran for a friend that was former Landstar that uh, started his own carrier, his own fleet, and they're up to they're up to fifteen trucks now. But uh, yeah, ran, ran him over there. So I'm, I'm familiar with both sides of it. I was also uh, an agent for a year at Landstar. So really familiar with negotiating with customers, dealing with customers, identifying their needs, what they're looking for and solving problems for them. So well, I can say I'm very happy that we asked that question. Also in the room with us was Mike Hosted, the vice president at ATBS and as noted with Gary, a principal presenter in the partners of business session we'd all just wrapped up. Shows the, the value that, that we are checking. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was actually, I really enjoyed the interaction and getting to explain, you know, the difference of, well, I'm, I'm really focusing in on my fuel economy. Um, you know, we, we got a really fuel efficient truck. We did a lot of work on driver behavioral coaching and um, just the fuel economy. We focused in on the fuel economy and we always, uh, we learned everything that we, learned at, at, at our first uh, mega carrier um, as far as they were using like pro miles. So we figured out, okay, how is this system working? What are they actually looking for? What are they doing? And just like Gary pointed out in the, uh, the class just a little bit ago, the very, very great tool for everybody to focus in on is, you know, just taking the IFTA out of the equation yep. and compare apples to apples. Yep compare the actual, fuel, the actual cost. fuel cost. What is the actual fuel cost here? What is the actual fuel cost there? Everybody wants to, oh, I, I want to get as much fuel tax paid now at the pump, so maybe I can get a rebate and yeah. I can and I can apply it towards my plate or why why complicate it? Keep it simple, get the get the cheapest fuel and go. Find a primer on evaluating actual fuel costs, pump price minus state taxes to get the cheapest fuel in the new partners and business manual, of course. Or search Refresher on IFTA Accounting at OverdriveOnline.com. You'll find a piece there written last year by Gary Bucks, who teed up further conversation between in-process fleet owner Pete Anderson and owner-operators Rayshon Lucas and David Nyhart at Matt's with this question for Anderson. Where are you at in the process of starting that new business, your new fleet? Where, at what stages and what have you completed and what do you feel you have to do yet? Well, um... I've got to get a truck first. Okay. Um, I, should, I shouldn't say first. I mean, I, I've, I've uh, uh, driver first. Right? I got to get. A, I'm <laughs> looking for the driver. Uh, I've got. I've got a DOT number. I got my MC, um, and basically everything. I, I'm kind of the paperwork side of things, or that the, the, the that side of things, the authority and everything. What, it's kind what, of. What's the business structure? Uh, are you? Uh, sub S, are you LLC <coughs> going to file sub S? We'll, we're going to LLC that's going to file sub S. Sub S, okay. Yeah, that's what I would okay. Yeah. And um, was that a hard decision to make? Um, not really. Uh, the My 
some of the background is my wife uh, is actually a consultant. She's in pharmaceuticals, but she's a consultant. She's got her own LLC. So okay. I was kind of familiar with how it operated. Family uh, experience. Exactly. And then the, uh, the sub S, um, it just makes sense because my plan is to not, you know, sit below that. We're really where that threshold that it makes sense to not be a sub S. So set up payroll programs exactly. for you and everyone else involved. Yes. And what um, about benefits in the future? How do you, do you have a thought? I mean, it can be really tough to start with particularly, but do you have a vision for benefits, especially when you have to track, do attract and keep drivers? Well, that, that, and it, it, that's something that, that I've got on my radar that I really haven't been able to, to engage okay. yet. Um, it, it's something I think that's going to be needed to offer uh, to attract that right driver. Um, Health insurance, uh, retirement accounts, things like that. Exactly. Um, hopefully I can find a, a million mile driver that, that, that uh, you know, wants what I've got to offer. Okay. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. I, mean, I don't know where I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to wind up with, I hate to say. but uh, You said you had some trucks ordered, but so equipment, as Mike talked about, is right now your number one challenge, driver's number two. Right. I mean, you can't hire a driver if you don't have a truck. So it's like you're juggling. Exactly. And um, the different, have you looked at different ways? You said you had some trucks ordered, but have you looked at, say, some lease, like where you could lease a small fleet, you know, like Penske or Ryder or any other types of options like that? I, I haven't. I haven't because I'm not, uh, financially, I'm not in a situation where I, I have to I have to run to get everything going. Um, I I want the the first truck to be a, a you know something I've purchased. Um, uh, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put all my money into it. Uh, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna finance it out, so I'm not not gonna use somebody else's money to pay for it. You know for now. You have um, a good financing source. Uh, I'm working on that part okay. too. I've got I've, my. If I need cash, I've got a. I've got a family of investors kind of thing. Okay. Often that is uh, something people struggle to understand is how to get the proper financing, the proper rates or best rates, mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, trying to deal with a bank, find a bank that will finance truck is very business. Our home bank, for example, the president's a small town bank, but he, I talked to him about this and he said, trucking and restaurants are almost the same. They are the two riskiest businesses a bank can invest in. And they He's have- Very risky, he said? Very risky. Restaurants and trucks are the two. And he said, they have to have Basically, they have to have outside collateral to cover that and a history with the bank. So developing that history, not hopping around like we talked, don't hop tax preparers, don't hop around with your banks. Go in and make that appointment. Go in and sit down, talk to them because it's like making that sales call. You got to sell yourself, get them to know you and write. Jerry Fritz, very Jerry Fritz is a longtime independent. And I'd wager his name will be familiar to regular overdrive readers from his T.A. Petro Citizen Driver honor a few years ago, among other things. He talked about taking his business plan and in a binder printed professionally to the bank to get his financing with his projections, where he was going to get his freight, how, what his equipment was, his personal 
finance, you know, what you're going to pay himself and why. Just everything there. And the banker basically sat back and said, wow, I've, I've never had anybody do this. This is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a chance to impress somebody, right? Like, uh, yeah, because he had that's that's kind of the road I was going to go down. Yeah, I, I've yeah. gotten about seventy five percent on having that, that basically exactly what you described there. Yeah. I got a question for you. What about insurance? Again, Mike Hosted of ATBS. Have you shopped around that or started that journey? Because it's a difficult one. Big, starting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know it. I know it. I, I've. Uh, but then Ray Sean has something to say about it. <laughs> no, no, oh, no. He well, probably. He well, probably. He's, he's going to pay for that, though. If, if he's well, paying I, you 90%, you're definitely paying some liability insurance. Well, the, the right. uh, point of me being here was to develop networks. And, and, yeah. Yeah. and, and so I'm thinking of this as a, a major corporation. I'm thinking of myself as a huge Fortune 500. So sure. I'm piecing all of the relationships that I build here uh, together to, to go back and then take and say, how do I want to structure my business that's different from everything else that insulates me from the ups and downs of the trucking industry, but also make sure that I'm taking care of the driver. So my approach is a little bit different. If I focus on driver first and insulation in making sure that the company is stable because it doesn't make sense for me to pay the driver as much as I can. And then I've given him most of my profits and then the, the company is out of business two weeks later, and he has to go find somewhere else to work. So it's a maintaining that, that balance, and I do that through uh, negotiation of rates. I have a formula that I uh, calculate my fuel, my miles, and what to ask for before I go to a broker so I can say, hey, this is what I want. And it's based on a worst-case scenario, my worst-case scenario. I have a break-even, a worst-case scenario, and if they come close to the number that I'm asking for, I'm still winning. I came up with a, I mentioned that first year, I basically broke even and I turned to my wife and I said, Marcia, this is gonna be a short-lived business experience <laughs> if I don't change something in a hurry. And what I came up with is a little bit different, I think, in that every load, I calculated the profit separately and, if, and every load had to turn a profit, my pay profit, or I wouldn't haul, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't going to move just to generate gross revenue and lose money on that gross revenue. And we have a lot of people that transition, unfortunately, and they're so used to, I got to drive more miles. If you yeah. ask someone, hey, what did you earn? They talk about their gross. Right, right. Well, you know, look that's at not, every, that's not earnings. look at every major, these major corporations. Has Amazon ever turned a profit? I don't think it has, you know, billions and billions of dollars. They've never turned a profit. It's a great investment, I gotta mm. tell you. But but the point being is um, setting a realistic way to measure profit. I recommend, and I've done a lot of research in business reading, taking like a 10 to 15% of what you have invested in the contract. In other words, for every dollar you have invested in that contract, mm. not what the contract pays, you want 10 to, you know, you want a hundred to one hundred fifty dollar return, profit above all expenses, including the driver, the benefits, everything, to return to the company. That's what I'm. And if you are the, your president of your company and you're on that salary, that's not on the profit side being paid. That's got to be. That's got to be on the expense side. That's what drivers, small drivers, I think, have trouble understanding. David and Rishon, are you guys? Um 
set up as LLC for with the, I filing am. as an S corp or? I'm LLC. Yeah. I'm I'm an S corp. Yeah. You're not filing an S corp. I honestly, if I'm being if I'm being 100 transparent, I don't know the minute differences in yeah. the benefits of each. I've I've looked and researched, but I haven't continuously and consistently been on that subject, so I lose the memory of what it what it all yeah. means. Basically, I could explain the general yeah, concept yeah. if you'd yeah. like. So the general concept of, of the LLC, and, and just so you know, you can elect to change that to an S-Corp pretty easily. Yeah. It's one form, it takes almost no time. Find a detailed how-to on setting up an S-Corp tax filing structure in the Partners in Business Manual, or search how to file as an S-Corp at overdriveonline.com. Mike Hosted of ATBS lays out the basics here and what follows. When you change to an S-Corp though, your requirements have changed. Right. Now you have to file payroll, pay yourself right. as an employee. Now you have to have a balance sheet at the end of the year. Yeah. Then you also have to have your corporate tax return. Generally speaking, what we found is the break off, the cutoff, if you're making more than 75,000 a year, you probably yeah. wanna be in an S Corp. Okay, so here's a real general example. If you're making $100,000 on an annual basis profit, you set yourself up at an S Corp and you pay yourself, you have to pay yourself a reasonable wage is what the IRS says. Gotcha. Whatever that means, right? The IRS is the IRS. We deal with them all the time and I still don't understand them. So reasonable wage, let's call that $50,000 for even money. And I think I that's like pretty that. fair I too. I like that number. I yeah. think it's pretty fair. And that's, we generally set our clients up somewhere in that neighborhood. So now you've, you've generated $100,000 in profit, but you're paying yourself $50,000 throughout the year. So that's in 52 week increments or 26 increments, however you want to break it up. So let's say you're paying yourself thousand bucks a week and it ends up at $50,000 a year that you've paid yourself in salary. Well, you still have 50,000 in profit left over. That 50,000 you pay to yourself in what they call dividends from the corporation. Those dividends are not subject to social security and Medicare tax. Gotcha. So they're only subject to the income tax state and federal levels. And so you're, you're alleviating the, the need to pay social security and Medicare on that extra profit. Um, and so generally speaking, because of the extra cost of payroll, because of the extra tax returns, the balance sheets, it's about double cost for us. That, that's what we charge. Uh, um, but you know, we're talking like fifteen hundred more a year. You got to pay to get this extra work done. Yeah. But if you save the, the Social Security and Medicare tax is thirteen percent ish, so thirteen percent of fifty thousand dollars, you've saved six and a half thousand yeah. dollars, and you've only paid fifteen hundred more to get there. And to make up for your what you're going to short yourself on Social Security by doing this, you can take that money and put it in a retirement account or do whatever, right? Question. If I understand things right, if you do that, the per diem, you need to pay yourself the per diem now because you're not... Not in this instance, you do no, not. You, don't. you do okay. not because of because of the way the laws are written for trucking. You do not have to pay yourself. You can still use it as a tax deduction. You can't see. I thought they changed that. Like a trucker that's an employee, a truck driver employee couldn't take per diem deduction. That, but but your business can. Your business can. Yep. Okay. Okay. So that'll follow. That'll flow through. Okay. Yep. And, I, I and this year they're doing 100% yep. per diem. Right. Generally speaking, it's $69 a day. Generally, they give you 80% of it for whatever reason. Why wouldn't they just say right. the per diem is 52 yeah, it's, you it's know? totally ridiculous. Why would they not do yeah. that? It's so silly. But because of the COVID stuff and the um, suffering of restaurants, they said for the next two years, we're going to give you 100% of the deduction for every day. As Hosted noted, the 100% per diem deduction remains in place at least through this year. 
As he also noted, however, the long-standing 80% standard deduction for per diem in trucking has long felt, well, silly. I'll be very interested in seeing if, perhaps, Congress and or the IRS sees the light on this and makes the COVID-inspired 100% per diem deduction permanent. Could there be even a slight glimmer of a chance? <laughs> Don't bet your business on it, but you can count on it through 2022 at least. Find more on the subject via overdriveonline.com. Search per diem tax breaks. If ATBS's miles numbers for 2021 are any indication, independents and leased owners as well may well have had fewer per diem days out on the road to deduct for 2021 than recent years, given an 8% overall drop in average miles across all segments ATBS tracks. For ATBS's independent clients, the drop in miles was almost 12%, which Rayshon Lucas noted while we were talking afterward and offered some considered thoughts on why that miles drop was more pronounced for the true independence. We'll let him carry us out to the end of this first part of the discussion as his thoughts speak to the evolution from employee driver to business owner that is such a big part of so many owner operators experience and how that in 2021 and hopefully for the longer term delivered more than just improved income, at least for owner operator Lucas. As a company driver, you're instilled in miles because they don't offer percentage to the, the owner-operator. I mean, not the, not the owner-operator, but the company driver. So a lot of people, when they see how many miles and how much work they're putting in and how much they can gross if they only had their own truck, they're taking that same um, mentality to the owner-operator business, and some of them have a really, really hard time um, getting a good foothold in the door. That's why you see cheap rates that get snatched up. Oh, this is more than 50 cent a mile. This is more than 70 cent a mile. So what you're seeing now is a shift of mentality. Now it's advantageous for me to run less miles oh, yeah. and try to maximize my revenue through negotiations, contracts, and all that stuff so that I can make sure that I'm not overworking myself so much to the point that I don't have a quality of life. Yep. So you're seeing the, the people come in, they want more of a quality of life, better pay, and they're going independent. And one of the drivers for going independent may be something minute, but it's big to us, respect. Yeah, yeah. The, and respect the, and freedom. Respect and freedom. A lot of major truck companies don't have time to invest in these relationships right. with each driver, so they're mechanical. Yeah. They don't, they're emotionless, and you're just a number, and so they don't have the respect factor, they don't have the focus that they need on the driver. Um, you funnel in so many drivers onto one dispatcher and you overload him and he can't manage all of these and so he doesn't have time to take care of a, a driver properly. Yep. And those are what those are reasons why people go independent. Yep. If if I'm out here risking my life through snow, ice, and also I'm barely making what I need to make to survive, I'd rather do it on my own. Because yep. who's gonna watch my back better than me? Yep. At the same time, of course, no owner-operator can survive profitably long-term without support partners. When it comes to the subject of building that support team to overcome high cost financing and other barriers to success for a small trucking business, well, keep tuned for part two of this discussion later in the week. We'll hear more from Lucas about his own overcoming of access to capital barriers and from Pete Anderson and owner-operator David Nyhart as well. A big thanks to all three for their time and to you for listening. Again, you can Download the new Partners in Business Manual via overdriveonline.com slash PIB. You can also find a video there of Mike Hosted's full Matt's presentation covering recent revenue, cost, and income trends for owner-operators. 
Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with acoustic guitar and other additional support from Overdrive Extra contributing writer and trucker songwriter, Long Haul Paul Markover. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive News Editor Matt Cole, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, and Executive Editor Alex Lockie. Till next time, keep it prod, Dad.